0: Hey, this is Andy Lucas, pastor of Emmaus Road Church in Fort Collins, Colorado. Thanks for listening to our podcast. We hope this message helps you grow in your walk with Christ. If you'd like to support this ministry, visit theroadfc.org and click the giving link. Good morning, everybody. I'm excited we're all gathered together, even the kids over here. Now... If you did not get a coloring page in crayons, you can find some out in the foyer over there and you can color me a picture during the service and I'm gonna ask you color something about what I say. So do you guys think you can do that? Draw me a picture about what I talk about? That'd be great because I'd love to see them. All right, so we are gonna open our Bibles to 1 John chapter four verses one through six. Now, if you aren't able to read yet, you can just listen and follow along that way. All right, dear friends, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. Because many false prophets have gone out into the world. This is how you can recognize the spirit of God. Every spirit that acknowledges that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. But every spirit that does not acknowledge that Jesus has Christ, every spirit. Th- Wait, where was I? That does not acknowledge Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the antichrist, which you have heard is coming and now is in the world. You, dear children, are from God and have overcome them because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. They are from the world and therefore speak from the viewpoint of the world and the world listens to them. We are from God and whoever knows God listens to us but whoever is not from God does not listen to us. This is how we recognize the spirit of truth and the spirit of falsehood. So have you guys ever been in a situation where somebody was telling you something and it sounded really good at first and then it started to maybe get a little confusing or maybe sound super crazy? Um, I've, I've had that happen to me. Maybe you've had that with like, a car salesman trying to get you to buy a car. That sounds really great, but you're suspicious. Or maybe your best friend at school is trying to convince you that their dog can turn into a unicorn and take you to different realms of the universe. And maybe you're just like, that sounds cool, but I don't believe it. Now, I had this happen. I was a senior in college and I worked on the student council. And it was like 6 a.m. and I was trying to do some work before class. And I was sitting there, typing on the computer, doing my work. And then this older man comes down, and this is in the basement of the cafeteria building. It's kind of a random place to visit. And he comes down and he starts telling me about his vision for third world countries. And he's like, there's a big problem in third world countries. People are getting infections and they have like injuries and they're getting infections in there. And they don't have medicines and it's expensive to treat and they were having to like amputate their arms or have other major complications from these illnesses. And I'm like, whoa, this sounds really bad. And he goes, but I have an idea. I know how to help them, which sounds really good, right? It sounds like a bad problem and a good thing. But um, then, then that's when the shoe dropped and he started telling me about something called an ozone healing machine. And I was like, "Uh, okay. and it's apparently used to treat infections. And he showed me some really disgusting before and after pictures of wounds before ozone and then after ozone therapy. And I tried really hard not to puke, very hard. I did not puke, but it was hard. Now, then he started telling me that he wants everyone in the world to have access to these machines, which sound very hokey, right? And uh, it's his vision and mission in the world to bring these machines to third world countries so that they can have their miraculous healing powers. And he starts comparing himself to Constantine. And I tried really hard not to laugh, and I thought he could have chosen a better role model. (laughs) And uh, so (laughs) he was like, how about you donate money to my cause? And I, an in-debt college student, said, no, I will not give you hundreds of thousands of dollars for this machine. And he left. And I was very thankful he left, but, uh, cause that was kind of bizarre and creepy. But um, upon further research, ozone therapy is something you can find a machine, probably in a Walmart or something, uh, but it's actually very shady. And apparently like antiseptic is a better treatment than <laughs> ozone therapy so I was right to think oh this is very shady and now someone's gonna come up to me after service and tell me that ozone therapy has helped them heal so (laughs) but anyway so I'm sure you can all relate to hearing something that maybe started off sounding okay and then just dove right into crazy now that is what the church is currently dealing with they are uh, when John wrote this letter there are people around themselves calling them Christians and talking about Jesus but then things got a little crazy Uh, because they were actually spreading a heresy called docetism, and that, docetism, is the belief that Jesus did not come in the flesh, that he was only a spirit. Now, you can see how this would be confusing. They talked about how Jesus couldn't actually die or rise from the dead because he was not here in the flesh. (sighs) Um, So people were probably very confused (laughs) Or maybe they were like, well, this sounds really, really crazy, but they sound like Christians, so I don't know what to believe. So John has very good reason to be writing them and telling them about this. They might have wondered, if Jesus didn't come in the flesh, how could he save us if he couldn't die or be raised from the dead? Or how could he have touched people and healed them? Or how could he have eaten with people? Or maybe they might have asked, how could he have even been born if he was just a spirit? Or how could Jesus have been the Messiah? Were the apostles telling us the truth? There are lots of serious questions that come along with this very serious heresy. Now, no wonder John is writing to them. He wants them to develop a healthy understanding of who God is because our understanding of who God is affects how we live in the world. It's not just about the knowledge, it's about how we use the knowledge. Now, you've probably dealt with this too a little bit yourselves, like hearing maybe some crazy things on some Christian blog or from a friend who says something what they, that they believe about God, and you're like, well, that sounds the opposite of what I know. I know sometimes it's a heresy, like it's not true at all, and other times it might just be a different doctrine, which is not the same thing. Now, we can use the Apostles' Creed as a guide. If you're like, hmm, I wonder if this is normal Christian belief. You can look in the Apostles' Creed, and it will have that for you. And now, a different doctrine would be something outside of that. So doctrines are still under the umbrella of Christianity, but heresy is just the opposite. It's a false belief. So either way, it causes us to have questions And we can probably relate to the apostles having questions or the people of this church having questions about what they're talking about. Now, it's not bad to have questions because questions help us to grow. Do you guys hear that? It's okay to have questions about faith and about God because they help us learn more and they help us grow in our faith. And uh, it helps us understand God in new ways. Sometimes we might find that when we study the questions, we grow and we learn new things. But other times, like John is warning these guys, it's very damaging belief and we should reject that. Just how they were rejecting docetism. Because Jesus coming in the flesh is a central part of the gospel. Now we can turn back to the gospel of John which the same John who wrote all these letters also wrote the Gospel of John. And in chapter one, it tells us, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. And that's what we celebrate every year at Christmas. The word doesn't mean the Bible or language. It means Jesus. Jesus became flesh and made his dwelling among us. It's what we celebrate at Christmas, the incarnation. How many of you guys celebrate Christmas? I bet a lot of you do. hmm Mm -hmm. we celebrate that God became flesh and made his home with us. And if we take that part away, we don't have much left. There's no atonement. There's no forgiveness. There is no resurrection. There's no redemption. That's why anyone trying to spread this heresy, the idea that Jesus was not a flesh, was called anti-Christ because they were removing important things that told us how Jesus was the Christ. So this letter is trying to encourage the followers to, of Christ to hold on to the truth and reject these false claims. The way of knowing the truth is through Christ, and John reassures them that God is the source of life, that God is in them, and God is in you guys, and God is in me. The one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. God is greater than the powers of darkness and evil. He's light and love. It might feel hard to sometimes believe that God is light and love when there's still darkness and evil in the world, but that's where faith comes in. We trust in him. We trust that he is the true God who took on flesh and reveals his truth to us through Jesus. Now I want to read the last portion of our scripture, uh, verses 7 through 21. And if you're listening instead of reading along, I have a job for you guys. Whenever you hear the word love, or loves, or loved, or any version thereof, the word love, I want you to make a heart with your hands and put it over your head, up high, so everyone can see. Okay, so let's practice. Make your little heart, put it above your head. Okay, so anytime I say the the word love or loves or loved, you guys are going to go right up here. All right, love. Great job. All right, dear friends, let us love one another for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. Great hearts, guys. We love because he first loved us. Whoever claims to love God, yet hates his brother or sister, is a liar. For whoever does not love their brother and sister, whom they have seen, cannot love God, whom they have not seen. And he has given us this command. Anyone who loves God must also love their brother and sister. The end. Great job, guys. Now, the word love or some form of it, appears 27 times, good counting, 27 times throughout this passage. Now, kids, if you want to keep counting how many times I say the word love, you can keep a tally and then show me after, because I haven't counted. (laughs) But we might deduce from all this mention of the word love that this is maybe something to pay attention to and important. Jesus was the Messiah who came in the flesh And this is not just a fact for us to memorize so we don't accidentally spread docetism. This is something we remember because it helps us know that Christ came to earth as love incarnate. He is love on earth. He's love in the flesh. He was sent here because God loved us, and he loved everyone. His actions displayed his love, even as he died on the cross for us christians must embrace this also we are love incarnate we are flesh clearly right we're all flesh and we are showing god's love to the world love is not an option in christianity it's who we are and it's who god is in what ways can you be love in the flesh maybe you can invite a new kid at your school to play games with you on the playground. Or maybe you share your food with somebody who forgot their lunch and doesn't have lunch money. Or maybe you take a a homeless person out to eat and get to know them. Or maybe you work with different ministries in the church. Or maybe you need to work on your road rage in Denver on (laughs) I-25. Maybe you know of ways your business can better love its customers or employees and you start making changes for that to happen. There are so many options to show God's love to the world. Love isn't optional in Christianity. It's who we are, and it's who God is. This scripture passage reminds us that God's love was revealed to us in sending Jesus into the world to die for our sins, and that he was raised from the dead. This parallel... Wrong word. So God's love was demonstrated in sending Jesus into the world. And Jesus changed the world because of God's love. And guess what? Jesus, God is still changing the world through us. Did you guys hear that? Kind of big. All right. God's love is changing the world through us. Since we love God, we also love one another. And we are continuing the work of God in the world. In verse 12, we read, No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us, and his love is made complete in us. This parallels another verse found in the Gospel of John in chapter 1. No one has ever seen God, but the one and only Son who is himself God and is in closest relationship with the Father has made him known. We don't really know who God is until we look at Jesus. And, we, and people don't know God until they see it revealed in the lives of Christians, you and me. What God started in Jesus, we are a part of and are continuing on earth. God's love is completed in us. This is possible because God gives us his spirit. And we're celebrating the coming of the spirit at the Pentecost picnic coming up and we have this gift that empowers us to love like God. Like God's love was revealed in Jesus as he came to the world in flesh, our love is also revealed in our flesh, in our actions. And if we love God, we must also love our neighbor. So all of this sounds absolutely wonderful, and also like a lot of pressure, right? It sounds hard, it's an important task, and it's, we might be thinking, oh, but it seems so easy to fail at. We might feel nervous about it. But John's reminder gives us confidence that our love is actually the love of the one true God. Our love is the love of the one true God. (laughs) Sounded like it was in the building. (laughs) So, (laughs) when we love God, or when we love others, It is the love of God that is reaching them. God's love is made complete in us. As we give ourselves to others, as God gave himself to us, there isn't room for fear. We have confidence because we, in our flesh, complete God's love. We don't have to be this perfect angel to show God's love to somebody. It just takes simple trying and action to do that. This is pretty awesome, right? God makes his dwelling in us and invites us to make our dwelling in him. Those who abide in love abide in God, and God abides in them. So abide is kind of a weird word, right? Probably one you don't hear a lot. It means to dwell or to remain, or to make one's home. Like, I abide in my house. It's a mutual indwelling with Christ when we use the word abide, all right? So it's God in us and us in God. God makes his home with us, and we are surrendering ourselves to God so that he works in us. As we give our whole selves to God, our response is not some selfish or individualistic religion. As we give ourselves to God, it is reaching out to others and showing God's love. We go beyond ourselves and go out into the world to show people the love of Christ. Love isn't optional in Christianity. It's who we are and it's who God is. In what ways do you already show God's love to other people? Can you think of any ways in your lifestyle that offer you the opportunity to love others? (laughs) Who are these people that we love? What does that love look like? As we abide in God and he abides in us, we center ourselves in God's love. This helps us as we give ourselves to loving others. God's love is complete in us. As we stand here, or sit here, you guys are sitting, and look at this cross, we remember the love of God and how God sent his son to this world as a sacrifice who died on the cross and then rose again for the forgiveness of sin and for the redemption of the world. It was the ultimate act of love on that cross. And this is the love that shapes us and lives in us and that we live out and show to other people. We are gonna receive communion next and I want to remind you that everyone is welcome to the table no matter what your age And as we receive communion today, may you remember that Christ abides in you, and you abide in him. Communion is the perfect reminder of that, that God gave us Christ who was love incarnate, and Christ atoned for our sins out of love, and his love is made complete in you as you show others the love that Christ has shown you.